Um, I'd like to start this morning by sharing with you uh, a very personal story. Now, picture this. A little kid growing up in 74. The sound of beating, screaming, coming from behind the door. It was my mum's lip cut and bleeding. My brother was on his knees begging you and pleading for her life. It's not nice when you're four years old. I was only a few months, or that's what I was told. And when we left, I guess you didn't even have a clue that my mother had made up in her mind to leave you. Because you, I never knew until I was eight. My mother told me you were coming, but of course, you were late. I opened up the gate, you asked if I knew who you was, and in spite of everything, I still gave you love. Just because you're my father, I wish I didn't bother. For the promises you never kept one after another. I remember birthdays and Christmas, hoping we were going to get a gift, but it soon became ridiculous. My mother tried to raise us the best she could. It's not easy bringing up two children in the neighborhood. But I understood. From a young age, life's like a book, because every day we turned over a new page. You were never there when I needed you, but we can turn this around. I know we can. I know we can. You were never there, but I still love you if you would just give me some time. Now picture this. It's 1984. There's so much more to tell, but this is a year that I remember well. Because mum fell in love with Lloyd. Now that's a chapter in my life that I never enjoyed. Because he destroyed everything. It was worse when he put on the ring. Exalting himself to be some kind of king. But the thing is, I used to wish this man was you. I tried to call him dad, hoping I'd forget about you. But it's hard to do once you're getting beaten. My brother used to get it the worst. He'd get hit for no reason. I remember feeling like it was never going to end, but then that's when the whole thing began to transcend. It was then that I needed you the most. Because they were making plans to immigrate to a Jamaican coast. I didn't want to go, but it's like I had no choice. I tried to tell them, but you know, it's like I had no I used to boast in my daddy telling Lloyd about you because immigrating to Jamaica, I didn't want to do. I called you and you told me that you'd call me back. And with that, I kind of knew where your heart was at. You were never there when I needed you, but we can turn this around. I know we can. I know we can. You were never there, but I still love you if you would just give me some time. Now, Mr. Ellis, I call you this because it's vital. For you to understand, to be a dad, you need to earn the title. You're a father. That means you gave my mother a son. From what I've heard, she's not the only one. But you were young, juvenile, giving ladies a smile back in your time, kind of like Ali in his prime, but it's fine. I don't hate you for what you did. Besides, you're the reason she had this beautiful kid. I'm gifted, talented, and blessed. I need more time on this rap so I can express the rest. 
I guess you'll never know the things I had to go through. That's why this whole rap is dedicated to you. And any other father that left a mother with a son to raise, I don't care what you or anyone says, you're not a man. You probably don't know the definition. But listen, a man's supposed to be a man and not a boy. Playing around with sex like it's some kind of toy. You need to grow up. Fix up. Man, get a job. Support your child. Show them they've got to work hard for a living. And give them yourself to look up to. Instead of a man carrying a gun in his crew. Because you and your baby's mother can't seem to get along. It's got your child growing up asking what they did wrong. Relating to every word that's written in this song. My rap. Oh, in fact, Dad, wherever you're at, I'm still waiting for you to call me back. Call me back. Some of you, I'm sure, will be able to relate to the words in my story. Whilst for others, perhaps not. But you may know of someone who shares a very similar story to mine, as sadly, this is not uncommon in our society today. The title of the talk today is The Way We Should Go. And I think one of the best ways to illustrate the points in this talk is by referring to my own experiences, which is something I'll be doing throughout this talk. We'll also be spending some time, of course, in this book, the Bible, looking primarily at the book of Proverbs, which is written mostly by Solomon, who was one of the sons of King David, the shepherd boy that slew Goliath. Solomon is considered the wisest man besides Jesus to ever walk the face of the earth. And the Proverbs is a compilation of his wise sayings and instructions. In fact, Solomon starts the book of Proverbs by explaining to us why he wrote it. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2, he said, The book of Proverbs is for gaining wisdom and instruction for life. And as you read throughout the book of Proverbs, you'll notice there's a recurring theme that keeps emerging. And that is, submission to God is the beginning of wisdom. The proverb I'd like us to look at today is one I'm sure many of us are familiar with. It's Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And it says, train up a child in the way they should go, so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. And at this point, I'd just like to pray before we unpack this idea further. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we can come together this morning. And your word tells us, Lord, that where two or three people are gathered in your name, that you are there. And Father, we are gathered in your name today. And so we say, come, Holy Spirit, come. Have your way amongst us today. Speak truth into the depths of our souls that will bring about the change that we all so desperately need to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Train up a child in the way they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. I have two points today. And the first one is be committed. Now, Hebrew is the language in which the Bible was first written. 
And the word train in Hebrew is actually translated to mean dedicate. Effectively, Solomon is telling us to be dedicated to children in the way they should go. In other words, for us to be intentional and committed in the shepherding of hearts of young people as they transition to adulthood. Now, many of us here will be familiar with our dedication services that we hold here at Trent, where we invite a number of young people and children onto the stage with their parents. For them, the parents and us, to make a promise to be committed to raising them in the way they should go. A few weeks ago, my wife Sarah and I uh, had the privilege, along with a number of other committed individuals, of serving over 1,000 young people at DTI, which stands for Dreaming the Impossible, which is our weekend youth festival for young people. Now, if you've never served at DTI before, I want to encourage you to get involved and sign up for next year because it was simply incredible. From the worship to the talks to the seminars, it was just an amazing experience. I think the kids enjoyed it too. (laughs) Well, this was the first time that we'd ever served at an event like this, and we were just in awe of how these young people just encountered and interacted with the Holy Spirit. I recall during one of the main events in the main auditorium, I'd noticed that there was a half a can of Coke on the floor. So I decided to move it to one side before the stampede of young people made their way to the exits. Unfortunately, one of them managed to kick it over and it spilled on the carpet. Now, ordinarily, what happens in a situation like this is a young person would think, oh, that's someone else's problem and keep going for the exit. But this young person came back to me and he said to me, I am so sorry. Could I please buy you another drink? Now, generally speaking, most adults don't respond this way in a pub when a drink is spilled, let alone a teenager. And this young man could have been no more than 13 years old. And I was completely taken aback by his kindness and open-heartedness to the situation. And I couldn't help but think that his response was the result of a dedicated and committed church family invested in a child in the way they should go. It's about commitment. And that's exactly what we saw from the adults that were serving the young people at DTI this year. When Solomon speaks about the way we should go, he's talking about the principles of God, which of course are found in Jesus. As Jesus himself said, I am the way the truth, and the life, which is something many of us are trying to work out on a daily basis. And these principles look different for those of us that are new to faith, as well as those of us that don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. Some of us are here today because someone invested in us. Someone was committed in helping us grow in the way we should go like that young person at DTI. And often these people that are committed to us are often, or they often look a lot like mothers and fathers that love us compassionately when we get it wrong, celebrate us when we get it right, and sit with us in discomfort when the challenge of life hurts. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, Solomon Uh, encourages this child to listen to the wisdom of parents um, that are following the Lord. And he said, my child, listen when your father corrects you. 
Don't neglect your mother's instruction. As I mentioned earlier, my parents had emigrated to Jamaica. And at 19, I found myself in a church, not knowing a lot about faith, Jesus, or the Bible. And in the church uh, that I was attending, I met a friend by the name of Sam. Sam and his family were amazing. They befriended me. They loved me. They encouraged me. And they showed me a lot of grace, especially when I got things wrong, especially as I'm sure I wasn't the easiest 19-year-old to work with. But they were committed to me. I think Sam saw a lot of potential in me, although at 19, I lacked a lot of common sense. Sam is approximately 15 years my senior, and he's married to a lovely lady by the name of Pauline. At the time, they had two young children, and I learned a lot from Sam about faith and family. Sam was and still is a very mature Christian that knows a lot about trusting God through theology and life experience. And one of the things that Sam used to tell me, which I still remember today, is remember in the darkness the things you've learned in the light. In other words, when life gets hard, and gets difficult as it does. Put into practice the things you've heard and you've learned about Jesus. At 19 years of age, I had no idea how this book, the Bible, related to my real life. How to live the life that Jesus speaks about in Scripture. Or how to live a life which is simply pleasing unto God. You see, it's great to come to church to hear a good sermon, but if we want to grow and embrace these principles that Solomon is speaking about, then we need to be in community with like-minded people that can walk this journey of faith with us. In a place where we can belong, be known, and be ourselves. As well as be loved, encouraged, and accepted. As we navigate this thing called life with Jesus. And small groups here at Trent are a great place um, to start that journey. And I want to encourage you, if you're not a part of a small group already, at the end of the service to make your way over to the Connect area, where you'll be greeted with some lovely people wearing teal-colored T-shirts that will be more than happy to speak to you about connecting with a small group. And this actually is a direct invitation to those individuals that are here today that have been coming to Trent for possibly weeks, months, and possibly even years, and have not connected with a small group yet. I used to be one of those individuals, and I understand how daunting it can be to put one foot in front of the other to go and speak to a complete stranger about a small group, as well as knocking on the door of a small group leader's house that you've never met before to be a part of community. But I want to tell you that they all really are lovely people. And at the end of the service, I would love to encourage you again to take a step of faith in that direction. I also want to speak to those of us at this point that have been walking this journey with Jesus for some time too. And I want to encourage us by saying there's more. We too have a responsibility to share with those that have been walking this journey for a shorter period of time than we have the way they should go. Very similar to my friend Sam. Training a child in the way they should go doesn't just refer to a child's biological age, but it applies to us all 
as adults. As we're all children of God trying to work out his principles at different stages in our lives. And it just doesn't apply to new and mature Christians either. God's heart is for us to be committed to the broken in our city too. Those that don't know Jesus. Those that have never been in relationship with him. God is asking us to be committed to showing them the way they should go. And this brings me to my second point today, which is break the cycle. Just before Jesus began his ministry, he went into a synagogue, a building very similar to a church, and he unraveled a scroll to read from Isaiah 61, which is a book in the Old Testament. And what Jesus read, in what Jesus read, he was referring to himself. But that scripture actually applies to each and every one of us that are passionately pursuing Jesus. It says, God's spirit is on us. He has chosen us to preach the message of good news to the poor. Sent us to announce pardon to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. To set the burdened and battered free. To announce this is God's year to act. It's clear just by looking around here at Trent Vineyard that God has blessed us. He's blessed us to be a blessing, to break the injustice that is happening within our city. Often when someone is about to die, their last words are often honored. And we refer to that as their dying wish. And in a very similar way, when Jesus died and rose again and was about to go to heaven to be with his father, he left us with this command. In Matthew chapter 28, from verse 18, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. It's incredibly difficult to train up a child in the way they should go if you have no idea what the principles of God are. And that sadly is the condition for many in our city today. As part of my role here at Trent, I have the privilege of leading a Bible study in Nottingham Men's Prison. And uh, it really is a privilege. Many of the individuals that I've encountered in prison are people that are desperate to change their lives, but they just don't know how. They've never had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. They're not even sure if they really believe in God or not, but they're willing to listen to anyone that will genuinely share Jesus with them. They've never had anyone commit to showing them the way they should go. Whilst leading a Bible study in there recently, one of the prisoners said to me, Dave, I don't know another way. Both my mum and dad sell drugs and do crime. That's just what you do. Another prisoner genuinely tried to justify to me why it's okay to sell drugs to other people without seeing that or recognizing the harm he was causing to them and their families, as well as himself. 
it really is like they are blind and they cannot see. Paul, a follower of Jesus in the Bible, wrote a letter uh, in the book of Romans to a similar group, about a similar group of people that were not in relationship with Jesus. And he said, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? The former senior pastor of Quest Church in Seattle, Washington, Eugene Cho, tweeted this recently. He said, we can't change the entire world. That's silly. It's just a marketing tool, a conference slogan, etc. But we can impact the world, one, few, or even some, in the process, be changed ourselves. The latter is so important because we need to experience transformation too. I think this statement is true. I don't think God is asking us to change the world. But I do believe God is asking us to change ourselves by being obedient to what it is he is asking us to do. I remember the first time I led a Bible study in the Nottingham men's prison. I felt that God would have me to be there, although at the time it didn't look like it at all. There was a room of 20 prisoners and they were all having conversations amongst themselves. And uh, I tried to get their attention to start the Bible study. So I said something along the lines of, okay, guys, if we could make a start now. And no one listened. So I did my best teacher voice impression and I said, okay, guys, we're going to make a start now. If we could just bring our conversations to a close, that would be great. And again, no one listened. And there was a prisoner that was sat to the right of me. He then turned to the rest of them and said, come on, guys, we really need to make a start now. And they didn't listen to him either. And then he then turned to me and said, I tried. And at that moment, I started to pray because I felt, as I said, that God would have me to be there. And so, and so I said, God, what, what do you want to do about this? And I felt I heard God speak to me on the inside and say, rap to them. And I thought, that sounds a little bit odd, but okay, let's go with it. Um, so I started to speak to them in a very similar tone in which I'm speaking to you now. And I said to them, I said, some of you may recall a few years ago, there was a young lady by the name of Daniela Beckham that died by a gunshot. And I wrote a rap uh, on the back of that about gun crime. And I'm going to rap it to you now in a, a cappella. And as I started to rap, it was a little bit like the animals going two by two into the ark. Because two by two down the table, they all started to listen to what I had to say. And there was a real sense that the Holy Spirit was in the room. Even more so that during that Bible study, we were talking about truth. And one of the individuals, one of the prisoners said, Dave, I believe that I can understand what you're saying because I feel like I can't be truthful with others because of X, Y, Z. He began to explain why. And at that moment, there was, it was like a surge of the Holy Spirit came into the room. And so I stopped the Bible study and I said to all 20 prisoners, I said, can you feel that? And all 20 of the prisoners, eyes wide open, said, yes. I said, that is the Holy Spirit. And isn't it interesting that when we speak about truth, the spirit of truth often manifests himself? Amen. <laughs> and what's also really exciting 
which I'm really excited about, is in the next few weeks on the back of that, we're going into Nottingham Prison to start an identity-based discipleship course with these prisoners that have had an experience with the Holy Spirit so that we can break the cycle of reoffense, build relationship with, on, with them on the inside, welcome them into a church family on the outside, break the cycle and show them the way they should go. Amen. Amen. That is God's heart for our city. As we heard earlier, over the past few weeks, John Wright, the senior pastor of this church, has been speaking to us about us moving to um, three services, the exciting news of that coming in the autumn. And in John's first talk, he said to us, we're here because God keeps bringing more people towards us. And we're simply responding to what we believe God is asking us to do. The move to three services is challenging, but I, like many of you, didn't agree to serve God as long as it was easy. We didn't get into this to be comfortable. This has been the story of this church, our church, Trent Vineyard, since it began 22 years ago. The people we're making room for won't all look like us. But it belongs just as much to them as it belongs to us. It belongs to prostitutes. It belongs to addicts in recovery. It belongs to ex-offenders. And it belongs to children in the care system in our city. Like the prisoners. Amen. Amen. Like the prisoners that have never had anyone to show them the way they should go. So it is for these children in care. Some of you will be familiar with Cat Register. She occasionally leads worship here on this stage at Trent. And she's also an advocate for fostering and adoption in this church as well as in our city. Cat does, uh, and I'm sure you would agree, a fantastic job as a single foster carer herself. But Kat would say, and she would be right to too, that she's only trying to be obedient to what God is asking her to do. Kat recently tweeted this on Twitter. She said, we're called to embrace the people society pushes to the margins. That really looks good. It usually gets messy and costs more than we want to give up. Worship and justice causes all sorts of chaos, but leads to God's heart. There's no better place. When we read throughout the Gospels, which are the first four books of the New Testament, we see that Jesus has a heart for the least, the last, and the lost, the marginalized. And over 2,000 years later, his heart for our city has not changed. There is a need in our city currently that God is asking us, the church family, to respond to. It's bigger than us, but it includes us. And this need was recently mentioned on our local news. And this is the video from that. 
Campaigners have built a wall of shoes in Nottingham to encourage more foster carers to come forward. 615 pairs were placed outside the council house, one for each child still in need of a family. The event was organised by Nottingham's churches and backed by the city council. They're hoping to find 100 new carers. We're looking for people who are couples or families with their own biological birth children at the moment, or people who are single. Um, we're looking for people who have got a heart for children and, and have patience and a capacity to take children into their home who are the most vulnerable children in our city. As stated on the news, we currently have 615 children in care in our city. Their parents were never shown the way they should go. Very similar to my story at the very beginning, a lot of these children have had absent fathers. And as a result of this, in some cases, they've had absent mothers because they couldn't cope, hence them going into care. And these children are often the people I meet in the prisons. We need to break the cycle. I just want to share with you a few statistics for our city. Four in 10 children in care in Nottingham have emotional and behavioral problems. Around one in every 20 have a drug and alcohol problem. An estimated 5% of children in care have been identified as having um, substance having a substance misuse problem. Children in care are nearly twice as likely to be convicted of a crime than the other children in our city. We need to break the cycle. So how can we do that? How can we break the cycle? We could start, first of all, for praying for our city. And as we've heard at the very beginning, Thy Kingdom Coming is, is an event that's forthcoming which we can get involved in and start praying to see change in our city. It could be about taking a step of faith to break the next time cycle by stepping over to the Connect area at the very end of the service to break the next time I'll sign up. Next time, I'll join a small group and maybe start that journey of community today. It could be about heading over to the, train, um, over to the Connect area to sign up for Trent Compassion for one of the ministries over there, the soup room, prison ministry, or even in the arches. It could be about attending the fostering and adoption evening that's happening here at Trent on the 12th of June whether that be for fostering or adopting children ourselves or supporting those that do. It could be about being hospitable by inviting someone into your home and investing in a relationship with them. That could be a new Christian or someone at a different stage of their faith journey to you. Or it simply could be about signing up to be a part of the kids team as we make room for more. And actually signing up one of the cards that you've been sitting on today, if you haven't already, so that we can help people find the way they should go. If we can, shall we stand?